The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where we bring a disclosure, one guest at a time. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to wish everyone in the United States a happy Thanksgiving. And for me, in saying thank you this Thanksgiving Day, I want to thank all our members, as always. You are keeping Veritas alive. First, let me set the record straight about tonight's show. Some of you have asked why I didn't announce the guest in advance. I want to let you know that this was not a gimmick to build more audience. In fact, if you listened to last week's show with Dr. Paul Laviolette, you may also conclude that in order to minimize what we went through last week, it was better to not announce the show. So we wanted to have this interview recorded prior to announcing it. A few weeks ago, I contacted tonight's guest and she said she could not do a show until next year as she is finishing a book. However, she heard of what happened during my interview with Dr. Paul Laviolette and the number of times we were disconnected and she changed her mind. As a matter of fact, she asked if I could schedule her show for the week after Dr. Laviolette's show and I agreed. Tonight's show deals with September the 11th and direct energy weapons. Our special guest concludes with empirical evidence 
that the towers were not brought down, but instead were turned into dust using direct energy weapons, microwaves. Not only has she done her research, but she claims the scenario is replicable. Tonight's special guest is Dr. Judy Wood. And let me start by saying that you may not be familiar with Dr. Wood's work. The reason? The media and even some alternative radio shows steer clear from even mentioning the possibility of direct energy weapons, let alone being used on 9-11. And anyone who dares talk about this is usually shunned or ridiculed. And even when she's invited to certain shows or magazines who contact her to, to write an article, usually cancel. Is there someone pulling the plug? Ladies and gentlemen, what if we were wrong once again? I was wrong for years in believing the official story. Could we also be wrong as we looked at more plausible scenarios, such as explosives, thermite, etc.? What if the truth movement is being run by the 9-11 perpetrators since day one? What if certain individuals have been planted to steer the truth movement away from their perpetrators? Is it possible these plants have affiliations with directed energy weapons? What if these plants are in on it, while others get suckered in? Like maybe you? I know I was. You be the judge tonight. I guarantee it that what you will hear tonight, you may not have heard anywhere else. And when I say anywhere else, you may start wondering why others have every possible 9-11 truth researcher available, but do not dare explore what this educated woman with a PhD in mechanical engineering and the empirical evidence she brings forward. Others claim to have the answers and call themselves researchers. Can someone who speculates be considered a researcher? Dr. Wood does not speculate. She brings evidence. Did you know that thermite is used by the military to burn paper during situations in which evidence must be eliminated rather quickly? If thermite was used in the World Trade Center towers, why is it that nothing was found but paper? Where are the thousands of desks, toilets, and all solid objects? They were nowhere to be found. The entire buildings were turned into dust particles. Once again, my job is for me to bring a new perspective. Your job is to discern and be the judge. Dr. Judy Wood will be with us shortly. And as usual, to listen to tonight's entire show, simply go to our website, veritasshow.com, and subscribe. For only $5.32 per month, you will have access to all our past, present, and future shows, access to one of the most polite, informed, and inclusive forums in the world, the Manticore Forum, and access to the member chat system, which is frequently visited by our guests, and it's open 24-7. Subscribing only takes a few seconds and you get immediate access. Again, just visit VeritasShow.com for more information. And here are a few important headlines from this week. Climategate, the final nail in the coffin of anthropogenic global warming. 
Did you ever suspect that the heavily pushed man-made global warming was a hoax? The article reads, well, if you own any shares in alternative energy companies, I should start dumping them now. The conspiracy behind the anthropogenic global warming myth, also known as AGW or Man Bear Pig, has been subtly, brutally and quite deliciously exposed after a hacker broke into the computers at the University of East Anglia's Climate Research Unit and released 61 megabytes of confidential files onto the internet. When you read some of those files, including 1,079 emails and 72 documents, you realize just why the buffins at Hadley CRU might have preferred to keep them confidential. As Andrew Bolt puts it, this scandal could well be the greatest in modern science. These alleged emails, supposedly exchanged by some of the most prominent scientists pushing away AGW theory, suggest conspiracy, collusion in exaggerating warming data, possibly illegal destruction of embarrassing information, organized resistance to disclosure, manipulation of data, private admissions of flaws in their public claims, and much more. This story will be big, folks. And the second headline I'd like to read to you. Bulgarian Academy scientists reported to be in touch with aliens. Scientists from the Space Research Institute of the Bulgarian Academy of Science, BAS, have been reported to be in touch with extraterrestrial beings. The Bulgarian Novinar Daily has reported that the Bulgarian scientists are currently working on deciphering pictograms which are said to have come into the form of the so-called crop circles, with which the aliens answered 30 questions posed by the BAS researchers. Quote, They are currently all around us and are watching us all the time. They are not hostile towards us. Rather, they want to help us, but we have not grown enough in order to establish direct contact with them. They are ready to help us, but we don't know what to request from them in case of contact, said Lashisar Filipov, deputy director of the Space Research Institute of the Bulgarian Academy of Sciences, as quoted by the Novinar Daily. Filipov has said that even the Vatican had agreed that aliens existed. In his words, the humans are not going to be able to establish contact with the extraterrestrials through radio waves, but through the power of thought. He has stated that the human race was certainly going to have direct contact with the aliens in the next 10 to 15 years. The deputy head of the Bulgarian Space Research Institute has also told the Novinar Daily that the extraterrestrials were critical of the people's amoral behavior referring to the human's interference in nature's processes. Philipop's team is reported to be analyzing the 150 new crop circles which appeared around the globe in the past year. My friend, Dr. Brian Ostrovsky, a member of the Exopolitics Advisory Board, and I are making contact with Professor Filipov for a possible interview. For more information about these headlines and updates, we have them all posted and are presently being heavily discussed at the Manticore Forum. And now, get ready to be awoken and deprogrammed. I must admit, I was still programmed while doing this show and you will experience my reactions. Have you ever felt as if you just woke up from a dream, only to realize you were still dreaming. That is exactly what you may indeed experience tonight. If you are the traditional 9-11 truther, get ready for another truth, and perhaps the most compelling truth. Have you been listening to the wrong spokesperson for the truth? If you don't want to experience another truth paradigm shift, I strongly suggest you stop this audio now. 
If you are willing to look at the evidence that will steer you in the right direction, don't go anywhere. Dr. Judy Wood is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Most of the great music you hear right here on The Veritas Show is supplied by the independent artists from Jamendo.com. If you hear a song you like, go over to our homepage, VeritasShow.com, click on the guest, look up the song, and download it. You can even buy the group's CDs, in many cases right there at Jamendo.com. Violet, and you're listening to the Veritas Show. Most, if not all of you who listen to Veritas, definitely know that the 9/11 stories given to us by the government and the mainstream mediaopoly are not true. A number of listeners have contacted me for the past few months to request that I have tonight's guest on the show. She was going to be with us next year, but what happened last week with Dr. Laviolette's show made her realize that Veritas is one of the last bastions of truth, and to our benefit, she is with us today. Dr. Judy Wood received her BS in Civil Engineering in 1981, her Master's in Engineering Mechanics in 1983, and her PhD in Materials Engineering Science in 1992 from the Department of Engineering Science and Mechanics at Virginia Polytech Institute and State Institute at Blacksburg, Virginia. From 1999 to 2006, Dr. Wood has been an associate professor in the Mechanical Engineering Department at Clemson University in South Carolina. Among other skills, she is an expert in the use of moiré interferometry, a full-field optical method that is used in stress analysis. And directly from South Carolina, Dr. Judy Wood. Hello, Dr. Wood. Welcome, and thank you for being on the Veritas Show. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, some of you may be asking yourselves, Mel, it's been eight years since that horrible day. Drop it. Well, folks, I'm not going to drop it. Not to criticize or undermine what many organizations are doing, but a lot of them are dealing with mere speculation. Speculation is not enough to prosecute someone in a court of law. We have someone who has performed empirical analysis and whose motto is empirical evidence is the truth that theory must mimic. And you also say, Dr. Wood, if you listen to the evidence carefully enough, he will speak to you and tell you exactly what happened. If you don't know what happened, keep listening to the evidence until you do. The evidence always tells the truth. The key is not to allow yourself to be distracted away from seeing what the evidence is telling you. The evidence always tells the truth. That's our kind of motto. 
So can you give us a little bit of a background in addition to the bio that I just read, Dr. Wood? And also, I'm very curious to know what was the moment that started it all for you, the spark that turned the switch on, and you haven't stopped since then as it relates to your investigation of what caused the World Trade Center towers to fall. Well, uh, on that day, uh, things weren't right. Uh, it, I think it has to do with how you're introduced to the event. I was by myself. I heard some radio in the background, and it sounded like a bunch of goofballs telling some sick joke, and they never got to the punchline. So I went and turned on the TV, and there's a few things now with hindsight why I realized that something wasn't right. It was every station was playing the same the same tune. I had rabbit ears, and, you know, the five stations I could get, they all had the same perspective. You would expect, you know, a reporter asking a loved one, you know, something, and somebody else waiting at the airport for some that didn't arrive, and somebody else who talks to uh, building construction people. or You know, you usually have a variety, but we had all the same. And it started me off, you know, things didn't smell right. And um, went, went downhill from there. <laughs> Uh, I went through, you know, some simple mathematical calculations and thought, well, why doesn't anybody else see this? And I talked to some of my colleagues, and they looked at me like I was nuts. You know, what kind of a weirdo did we just hire? (laughs) And pretty soon you learn not to talk about it, not to voice your opinions. And you just, you know, get on the straight and narrow and go with the, the bandwagon. And, I, you know, I was a new faculty, been here a year or two, and didn't really want to make waves, but it didn't set right with me. Also, we had that 2000 um, presidential selection that was uh, determined by the Supreme Court, which didn't smell right, and they said they were going to fix it for the next time. They couldn't fix this one, but they would fix the next one. Well, come 2004, at 1.35 a.m., it was a repeat. When when the answers flipped, I went, that's it. They didn't fix it. They're not going to fix it. Whose job is it to fix it? And it was at that moment where I decided I had to get into the 9-11 bit, too. So that that's when I started working on it. You know, I have to say that most people, and even probably your your peers, were in shock. I was in shock for years. I don't even say the word shock anymore. I was asleep at the wheel, if you will. And I woke up probably in 2005. It took me so many years. But you, a spark occurred the day it happened. With your analysis and with your experience in in mechanical engineering, you started smelling something that was not right. And on this show, we like to get to the bottom of things rather quickly. But I think it's very important to remind everyone of the three basic versions of the 9-11 events. Although differences and or overlapping may occur, The following three versions generally describe what most people believe. Number one, the official government conspiracy theory. This is the version that states that a guy from a cave in Afghanistan conspired with 19 box cutters wielding Muslims to hijack airplanes out with the USA's entire multi-trillion dollar defense system and caused the Twin Towers to collapse. This is the version pushed by the government and media as being the truth of 9-11. Oh, and let's add to that the fact that Pentagon, probably the most protected and surveilled building in the world, can only count on a closed-circuit TV videotape from a convenience store to to show us what happened. 
What about their hundreds of cameras and defensive missile systems? But let me not digress. Number two, this is the alternate propaganda conspiracy theory. This version states that more or less there were hijackings on 9-11, but the planes might have been taken under remote control to ensure they crash as planned. Airplanes most likely crash at the Pentagon and Shanksville, but planes definitely did crash in the Twin Towers. World Trade Center 7 collapsed from conventional explosives and thermite. A molten metal was found in the rubble. This is the version pushed by the government media as being the wacko conspiracy theory that truth movement wants to believe. I was part of that, I must say, until probably 48 hours ago, Dr. Wood. And this one brings to mind a quote from Lenin, the first communist dictator after the takeover of Russia in 1917, when he said, quote, the best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves, unquote. And the last one, folks, this simply is the real version, backed by actual evidence, loss of physics, and common sense. There were no hijackings, no plane crashes. The corporate media broadcasted cartoons of an airplane impacted the South Tower and the World Trade Center complex. Not just the towers. Our World Trade Center 7 was destroyed with directed energy weapons. The government and media steer clear of these. I had to even imply this, Dr. Wood, and I know I may even get some hate mail. But folks, please bear with me. The pursuit of the truth is devoid of ego. I just want to discuss all the possibilities. Could we possibly be looking in the wrong direction? Is it possible that the truth movement has been run by the 9-11 perpetrators since day one, Dr. Wood? Uh, yes. Uh, if, if you had su- such horrendous event planned, don't you think the cover-up is going to be even better planned? Absolutely. I can say that today. There will be people that come along and ask questions. So you round them up, you herd them, and distract them, run around circles, and run them into the ditch. I think all that is needed is to let enough time run out on the clock. <clears throat> Look at JFK. Everyone pretty much knows that some, some funny business went on there. But, hey, that's water under the bridge and, you know, move on. That's what it takes. It, it worked initially as to what they needed to accomplish. And then you get things around in circles for a while, and then pretty soon enough time has passed that it doesn't matter. So let me put it this way. This happened. Whether it was an inside job or not, we'll discuss it in a few minutes. But they have to be prepared for those who question the official story. And what you do, you create a psychological, I don't want to call it warfare, approach and then present another scenario, the scenario of thermite, the scenario of molten steel, etc. Is it possible that certain individuals have been planted to steer the truth movement away from the perpetrators? Is it possible these plants have affiliations with directed energy weapons? Uh, that's, that's pretty likely. I usually don't like to do finger pointing until after I've, I've looked at the evidence. But, it, you know... Human nature is that people want to get to the, the bottom line as fast as possible. And so, yeah, that's where it leads. Speaking of getting to the bottom of things quickly, when did we find out who the alleged perpetrator was? <laughs> Less than two hours after the attacks? No, we need to have a court of law analyze the evidence before we can say that somebody, without any doubt, did this. And let's not even go with the Patriot Act that was uh, passed just a a couple of days after. 
But is it even possible that some of these plants are in on it, while others, like me, get suckered in? Let me give you an example of why uh, it's, it's a very bad idea to jump to the answer first. Let's say just we have some generic characters. Um, we'll use uh, Fred Price and Sam Smith. Sam Smith is, is found there's uh, carbon in the dust around him. Well, let's see, and, and Fred Price is dead. Well, let's see, uh, we know that guns are made out of high-carbon steel, so therefore we have smoking gun evidence that Sam shot Fred, and we take him to court. Only, um, turns out Sam killed Fred, but he poisoned him. There's no bullet holes in the body. So now what we have is Sam is free for life and can never be tried for that crime due to double jeopardy. Right. So if you charge the, the right person with the wrong crime or the wrong person with the right crime or whatever, you, you don't get to where you need to go. And how did the government not notice that many people would look at the videos of Osama bin Laden? And I know this is not an area that you like to discuss. You like to deal with empirical evidence. But to me, it was obvious that that was not Osama bin Laden. And for so many years, they haven't presented one single video of Osama bin Laden. And all they do is put tapes out there for people to believe that it is Osama bin Laden talking. Did, did you know Osama bin Laden when he was three years old? No, I did not. Well, how do you know who the real Osama bin Laden is to begin with? Exactly. <laughs> Some character with that name is, is all that it takes. It, it's, I call that he said, she said, who said, what said. It's all like soft, you know, hearsay kind of evidence. Same with, you know, there's this whole laundry list that usually gets you know, recited like uh, put options and stand down orders and all sorts of things like that. But those don't deal with what happened. Those are distractions from it. Well, we cannot ignore that part, too. If, if there were put options put in, how easy could it be to find out who plays those put options? But that's a, a well, different who, story. Uh, who, I have seen no evidence to show that there were put options or that there's money made and, you know, until I see that, it's just speculation. So the SEC, uh, all the, regula- the regulatory authorities out there, they, they presented that to us as if it happened. But when anyone would ask questions, you would not get answers. But I really thought hard to bring this up, but I must. Okay. The death of one of your students, Michael, how do you pronounce his last name? Zeber. That's how I pronounce it. Zeber. Who was killed allegedly by two people during a robbery? Two bullets in the head. Robbery gone bad. Exactly. A few days ago, I spoke to Dr. Brian O'Leary in Ecuador, and he was talking about one of his heroes, Dr. Eugene Malov. Dr. Malov was killed exactly the same way, alleged allegedly by two people during a robbery with two bullets in the head. On March of 16, 2007, you filed a request for correction with the government regarding 9/11. Exactly one month later, on April 16, 2007, several of your instructors at Virginia Tech got killed during the Virginia Tech massacre. And at least with the death of Michael Sieber and Dr. G. Malov, the common denominator seems to be that somebody out there doesn't want people to interfere with his work. Are you concerned for your life? Uh, well, not really, uh, because there's... Um 
you know, if they they can take out anybody at any time. And uh, immediately when I started getting into this, I put it out on the web. I, I learned you don't keep secrets. Dead people keep secrets. Exactly. And so I, I work, people, you know, criticize that all my articles are half finished because something else comes up. But all my research is just out there, free for the world to see. And people have seen it. And that's a little bit of an insurance policy. There's um, some other insurance policies I have up there, including the connection between my student and free energy. Uh, the student who was murdered told me that 9-11 was about free energy. And I, you know, wasn't ready to go there yet. He was going to tell me about it when he got back from his spring break, but he didn't return from his spring break. Now, 9-11 was about free energy. That's what he told me. Do you, can you speculate of what he meant? I have now figured it out. It was the same technology that uh, is capable of giving us free energy uh, is what was used to destroy the buildings. I see. There's a researcher, and I emailed you earlier today, Colin Andrews, who deals with crop circles. He also had a few of his uh, immediate circle of friends and colleagues who had an untimely death or a strange, mysterious death. One of them was a 42-year-old man with the name of Paul V. Gay, and he had a website, of a, a, a 9-11 truth website, and he also did research for cup circles. And I believe he found a common denominator of the microwaves used. All of a sudden, he left his house one morning, did not even take his keys or his car, and he was found dead hours later next to a river. I wonder, and of, of course, this is all speculation, that anything dealing with microwaves or, or directed energy weapons is a definitely no-no for anybody to talk about, Dr. Wood. Uh, correct. Um, it, how I define directed energy weapons, it's uh, energy that's directed and is used as a weapon. Very general category. There's, um, you know, uh, top-secret type weaponry that's involved in there that we don't have names for but I put it under that general category. I'm not talking about the, what I'm often, uh, the derogatory term is used, um, ray beams from space. No. Right, right. No, it's field effects. And it's interference of energy fields that cause this other effect. Uh, it comes out of Tesla technology. Huh. I... <laughs> It's interesting because I was preparing our, our images for the promotion of this show, and I inserted Tesla into the pictures because I suspected you were going to mention that. I heard you at another show discuss evidence that directed energy weapons likely, of course, destroyed the World Trade Center on 9-11. And you also discussed the concerns that these weapons may be used to attack Iran. If we are in possession of this type of weaponry, why do we even need nuclear weapons? Probably uh, don't, uh, but it, it it keeps up the front. Yes. So we, we need to continue perpetuating the fear. All we need to do is, as I discussed with Dr. Laviolette, is just shoot the missile from the launching pad and they have no chance. Right. But, th but think about it. If we have free energy, abundant energy for as much as anybody wants, somebody can use 10 times as much as the next person. It doesn't matter. Now, what kind of a world would we have? Why, why fight about anything? There's no reason to even have wars. 
We're not supposed to have to annihilate anybody. The problem, in my opinion, is just control. Those who are in control don't want to lose it. And speaking with another guest last week about a country where he lives in now, uh, they're more progressive, but a high percentage of the country's revenues depends on the sale of petroleum products or oil. How can you, how can those countries one day say we are going to go for free energy? It's such a paradigm shift, and I'm just playing devil's advocate because I would love to see a, a world with free energy. And as you say, wars would probably be a thing of the past. But in today's paradigm, how can you apply that without having very dire repercussions to, to many countries? Uh, the, the key is, you know, he who controls the energy controls the people. Yes. And no one wants to give up that control. There really is no reason to have wars anyway. But if somebody likes to do it for, you know, stirring the pot and keeping people occupied going around in circles. Kind of like the truth movement, you know. Just, right. You distract people so that you can do whatever else you're doing. People are too busy running on this treadmill. They don't see what you're doing over wherever you're doing it. Like, like a magician's tricks. Um, but it, the paradigm shift isn't a big deal. You know, we have airplanes now. Uh, a little over 100 years ago, we, you know, people hadn't thought of that. They horse and buggies. So that that wasn't the end of the world. I mean, it wasn't a, a huge problem. It was people adapt to it. Well, somebody wasn't making that much money back then, and that's probably why in 100 years our airplanes have not changed that much. We still can travel the world, but we went from propellers to, to turbines, and that's it. And Dr. Laviolette proposed some ideas to, to help reduce the fuel consumption by 70%, and nobody wants to listen to him. He even proposed security measures for the space shuttle, which would have avoided the last uh, disaster. Nobody wants to listen. Right. They, they like the things the way they are. Like uh, uh, automobiles. Uh, my parents got one in 72. They got 45 miles to the gallon. You can't get a car with that kind of miles anymore. What's 45 miles a gallon in 1972? Yeah, it was a diesel. Mercedes? Oh, right. Yeah, we right. got 45 miles a gallon. I don't think the diesel ones even get that kind of mileage now. No, I think they, they tap it with uh, computer chips now. And um, I had a Honda Accord that got 42 miles per gallon in 78. And, and you can't get that kind of car anymore. Now, what, what's your conclusion as to why in 1978 you could get so many miles, and now what they pretend to do is reduce the weight of the car, use plastics and fiberglass, etc., to make the car lighter, but in turn, it makes the car less safe for the driver and the occupants. Right. It, the goal is not fuel economy. Uh, you know, if you want better fuel economy, just, just uh, demand it, and you get it. Yeah. You ref go ahead. No, it's okay. You reference the particle size and average particles, and let's get to the nitty gritty now. Uh, particle size clearly witnessed in, in in the countless photos and videos of the demolitions as being significant evidence for a non traditional collapse scenario, an anonymous uh, anomalously disproportionate resulting debris pile, given the monumental size of both towers combined. As an engineer and student of strength of properties of materials, what type of physics must postulate a scalar weapons employed to produce such a resulting product, one where the majority of concrete utilized in the construction was physically dustified? 
or pulverized to dust. Yeah, to have like basically nothing left of the the top eighty percent of the building is exactly, and and it's not hitting anything as it's flying through the air. So why is it turning to powder in midair? And if you look at it, it looks like uh, water turning into steam, you know, expanding tremendously. When water turns into steam, it, it expands in volume by 1,600 times. And to me, that's what the building looked like. Suddenly, all the molecules, instead of being attracted to each other, were repelling each other. And what the, one of the, the biggest aha moments I had was this picture that's about a block north of the World Trade Center complex about 15 minutes after the North Tower goes poof. I don't say collapse. It goes poof. It goes away. And uh, you got a clear blue sky. You're looking west, clear blue sky. So all the dust has settled out of the air. But then you look at that dust on the ground, and it's starting to rise up around people's feet. Then pretty soon, it starts rising up all by itself. If it's that fine, it could not have settled out of the air that quickly. It has to have been coarse dust that landed and then became fine dust. I agree that it's the word collapse would, would translate into a mountain. We're talking about, what, about 1,200 feet, the towers, and it falls, and you don't even see toilets, which there were about, what, 10,000 of them? No, Deaths. about 2,000 or 3,000, somewhere, somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay, th- Okay, well, you don't see toilets, you don't see desks, you really don't see anything. Right, there's just one portion so, of a file cabinet found, that was it. Right, exactly. So, oh, what are the current... Oh, Building 7, Building 7 is, is a great one to talk about. Okay. Uh, and talk about this false opposition that was set up. You get the truth movement with their bombs in the building or the thermite or whatever it is that they're doing in competition with NIST and the thermal expansion. So it's either or, you know, this false choice. Mm -hmm. But NIST dismisses the bombs in the building crowd by saying there is no loud explosions. That a block or two north of Building 7 filming the event could pick up um, low-level conversations down the street. Wait a minute. What's wrong with this picture? That right there voids their conclusion as well. If you have a 47-story building, quote, collapsing to the ground, that's going to sound like it's raining dump trucks. It's going to be a racket of bangity, crashity, boom, and it was silence. What 47-story building just goes away without making a thud? The um, seismograph for the event, you you couldn't really uh, detect the signal outside of the background noise. It was no more than a jackhammer. And even some of the firemen that survived who were on the bottom floor, who came out, Looking at a said, blue sky. Exactly. How can we be looking at a blue sky here? A few minutes ago, there were hundreds of, of stories here. And even one of them said, this looks like a, like a football field. It's almost, folks, as if you're at the beach and you're building a sandcastle. And you collapse the sandcastle, it's gone. But if, if the castle is made of a, of a solid, solid uh, object, you're going to see all that scatter everywhere. You see chunks, big pieces, little pieces, in between sized pieces, stuff all over the place. Right, exactly. And it's going to be recognizable. What, can, can you even discern anything after the, the towers collapse? 
You get a I couple couldn't. of beams around, but that's it. Right. So what are the current prototype or currently utilized weapons that are in the same classification of energy source? Well, I don't, For example, I don't look so much at uh, weapons, but look at phenomena. I kept looking at phenomena until you know, I really understood uh, what was going on. And then one day I, I uh, happened upon the website of John Hutchison, and my jaw dropped. There's a one-to-one correlation with every one of his pictures with the same phenomenon at the World Trade Center. And for the listeners, can you explain what the Hutchison effect is? It's an uh, interference of different types of energy. Like an electrostatic field interfered with radio frequency waves or microwaves. And so it, it's not just a single type of wave. It's an interference of different types. And this interference is a different kind of physics. This interference causes a totally different effect. So you could have... For example, a, a field over the whole city that, you know, by itself isn't going to do anything, but you interfere a specific spot, and boom, there's, there's where something happens. Like uh, the Building 6 had these cylindrical cutouts, like a post hole digger just, you know, pokes holes out of the building, just totally empty down to the ground. So do you know if any of these, you don't want to call them weapons, but... Uh they really be created in such a magnitude to deliver the results seen at the World Trade Center? Well, is the tower still there? No. So you answer the question right there. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, people criticize me for not doing calculations to prove whether or not, you know, the towers could be destroyed. You, you just look and you see. You don't need a theory to look at evidence. Uh, it's, it's empirical evidence. Like, does, is somebody wearing shoes? We'll just look at their feet and see if they're wearing shoes. You know, why develop a theory about it? Do you... <laughs> I'm thinking about the epicenter of, not the World Trade Center, but of the, the truth movement. And I know I'm going to get a lot of, of flack from, from people out there, but bear with me. We just need to find all the possibilities, folks. Is there an epicenter out there that took that ball and ran with it, and now millions of people follow that And the powers that be, or the powers that want to be, are happy because they're just spreading, spreading disinformation? Yes. And uh, also what seems to have been done is they're, they've been methodically trained. These are, these are decent people who just are, you know, jumping on this bandwagon, kind of like b-ball. Yes. You, you know, the, the children play, the, they, they go like uh, bees, a swarm of bees around the ball, like Little League. I call it bee ball. Mm -hmm. Like it looks like a, a, all the bees swarming around something. That's what the truth movement became. That everyone's got to be you know, repeating the exact same phrase. And they were. It seems like they were trained to to repeat over and over again. Space beams, disinfo, um, all speculation, no evidence. Where the opposite is true. I only present evidence, and the evidence speaks for itself. But people who have been told, don't go look at her website. It's just speculation. Don't look, don't look. Whatever you do, don't look there. Well, if somebody tells me that, I go look. You know, it's, it, and you just look at the pictures, and it's like you can't, you can't explain this stuff any other way. And you would think, with such a tragic event, that the media would give exposure to as many, as many alternatives, as many theories that there, there could be. I mean, people want to get 
answers. And we didn't get those answers from the 9-11 Commission report, just like we didn't get answers from the Warren Commission report and the Kennedy assassination. But why do you speculate that you have not been that public in, in the sense that the media has not have you has has not had you uh, on TV to explain your 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 work? Oh, but then then uh, people might realize it's out there because there are people who, in their own mind, intuitively kind of think that, but nobody else is saying it, so they hold their thoughts themselves. Look what I did on day one; nobody was listening to me, so I shut up. And it's human nature. Yes. And so if, if you get everyone to look away from the people who are, are speaking the truth or have evidence, you get people to not look at the evidence. Well, that's, uh, that's part of the intelligence apparatus purpose, just to send this information agents out there to ridicule you, to shun you, to make sure that anybody who's associated with you is, is looked upon as a pariah. I don't doubt that after people listen to the show, say, ah, Mel, I'm not listening to you anymore. But folks... I'm here as a matter of principle. I need to expose every single perspective, every single angle. And tell me how many people with PhDs do you see out there bringing empirical evidence? A lot of people out there that claim to be bringing forth evidence, they're just speculating. Now, how would the scalar physics also explain why so many cars were burnt out on a radius around the buildings when no apparent fires were lit outside of the jet fuel oh, burning. There, there's, uh, it wasn't uh, a regular fire. Um, it was this other type of effect, and that is also characteristic of the Hutchison effect, or Tesla physics, whatever you want to call it. It's the same thing. Right. That, uh, you know, luminescence at room temperature. And one of the cover stories for the evidence was molten metal. We, yes. we have no pictures of it. But you, if you think and use your brain... You can see that this cannot be hot. Like, people are going to hold a pool of it in their hand. Uh, the, the funniest rumor, and, but humans, you know, one of the, the traits is uh, they ask questions until they get an answer, and then they go yes. on. They quit asking questions. They quit thinking. And one of the um, uh, answers that was planted in so many people's minds that was just totally ridiculous was uh, the story about uh, steel-toed boots melting on the pile after a couple hours. Right. Now think about that. Steel-toed boots. Well, my oven is steel. If my oven were melting, don't you think the turkey inside would be well done? <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but yes, that's a good metaphor. And there was not a single uh, you know, discussion of anyone getting burned. Yes, and the dogs walking, the PETA had a, had a field day saying that they need to wear boots also because it was so hot. As a matter of fact, I remember seeing some pictures where supposedly the temperature at certain spots was about 800, over 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Yet, there were firemen standing right there. And, and sitting, in, sitting in water right there up to their knees. Yes, wouldn't the water be boiling? A steam explosion like uh, Chernobyl? yes. Uh, there was a water main on West Street that broke that afternoon, and it flooded West Street. I called the the West Lake because <laughs> it looked like a lake, and it was mm-hmm. you know firemen walking around with water like knee deep or maybe bu- just above the knees, and that's right where uh, this uh, USGS picture says it's 800 degrees or 817 Fahrenheit to be exact. Right. And these guys don't look like boiled chickens. No, they looked like. Uh they just came out of a dust bowl. And if it was uh, molten metal and so forth, when it rained a few days later, 
why didn't we see steam coming up? Instead, it it silenced this um, uh, fuming, I call it. Well, one thing I did was develop this new vocabulary where if I don't know the mechanism, I am not going to give it a name that has a specific meaning. Like smoke refers to something that was caused by fire or heat. I say fumes. It could be from fires. It could be from chemicals. It, you know, it's it's not it's generic. Right. So these fumes coming up, they they stop coming up when it rains. If it were from fire, you would have a whole lot more. You know, the smoky stuff coming up, the steamy looking stuff coming up when it rained. What about the, the firemen with their hoses? If something's hot, you do get this orange glow, like this. Uh, this grappler that's picking up a piece of orange glowing stuff, well, first of all, where is it taking it? To the dumpster? You know, why did it dig up this glowing orange thing? And, it, you know, hydraulics can only operate a maximum operating temperature of 82 degrees centigrade before permanent damage. We didn't have a problem with hydraulics being, you know, damaging equipment. And there were a whole lot of grapplers out all over the pile out there or whatever you want to call it, the, the football field. And so... Uh, well, I, th- I think they just, whoever was in control, thought that nobody would figure this out. And, and you distract people long enough uh, that, you know, people just go with the flow. And they scratch right. their heads and they go around in circles. We also have the mini-nukes crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, mini-nukes aren't really directional. Uh, they don't cut cylindrical slots out of buildings. Plus, they make a boom. Plus, they result in heat. You recall all this paper that was all over Manhattan? Yes. Unburned paper. Now, explain that. I'm not, I'm not an expert in the field, and that's why I have so many questions. When you can't find uh, toilets or, or desks or, 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 or solid objects, but you can find paper flying. Oh, and by the way, they found Mohammed Atta's passport totally not burned on the floor, but that's a, a different story. Now, how is it that paper doesn't burn? Is it because a microwave will not burn paper that doesn't have water? There's different types of energy frequencies, the, the whole wide spectrum. I, I used to joke and say, pick and choose or mix and match. I didn't realize what I was saying at the time. Yes, it was indeed a case of mixing and matching. Uh, but if, you know, different um, frequencies do different things. Think of x-rays. They do something differently than visible light. It's all the same spectrum. It's just a different end. Yes. Now, microwaves, I think pretty much everyone's familiar with what happens if you put a piece of paper or paper towel in a microwave oven with your cup of coffee on it. Unless it's, well, if, unless it's wet. If, it's, if, it's, if there's moisture, yes, but if it's dry, then what happens? Nothing. Right. And there's some mugs that you don't want to put in there because they heat up. Other mugs don't. Mm-hmm. They're different materials. So we know that different frequencies of energy affect different materials differently. So we could see papers everywhere, but we couldn't see anything else. And also the unburned paper next to vehicles that look like they're just horrendously on fire. Exactly. Of course, they would say that they fell from the sky. But you mentioned rain, and I have to talk about weather for a second, because a lot of people don't know this, and I repeat it sometimes, and people look at me, "Uh, what? If, folks, if there was a hurricane... A category one, a two, how about a three, approaching your city? Do you think that the media would tell you? What happened that day, doctor, with Hurricane 
Aaron. That is a station east of New York City. Well, for four days, it was going in a beeline straight for New York City. There was also a high-pressure system coming from the Midwest eastward. They didn't know quite when they were going to meet, supposedly. And uh, so they didn't know where, when it was going to turn. Well, it uh, pulled right up to um, just outside of New York City, like it pulled up to a chalk line and stopped at 8 a.m. on 9-11, like reporting for duty. And then turned, yes. turned around and headed out of town that afternoon. But it was this huge thing. It was like 500 miles in diameter. The predictions of it were predicted to be stronger than Katrina. It ended up not being, but it was predicted. All of the predictors, and they have different models, all of them predicted it would be stronger than Katrina. So let's use, and I know you don't like to deal with speculation, but just because that hurricane was there, and even the eye looked a little bit weird, why do you believe, let's say they use scalar weapons to manipulate the trajectory of this hurricane to be positioned there, was it because they wanted the winds to blow? What's your... your theory on this? Uh, This is not speculation. Hurricanes cause field effects. You hear about people talking about feeling the weather change? Yes. And after all, um, I remember when uh, Hurricane Wilma was coming off of the Yucatan Peninsula, they were picking it to go up the panhandle of Florida. And I said, no, it's going to go uh, like through Fort Myers because all the birds left town. They evacuated. Why would they know that the hurricane was going to come through when the weather predictors didn't? Interesting. So, you know, animals, you know, or even uh, like spiders pack up their webs, a lot of them do, and, you know, birds go into hiding. Uh, remember the um, big tsunami? Um, I think there was few to no um, wild animals, domestic animals is a different story, but wild animals that were killed. Yes. They all headed to higher ground. Right. Uh, they sense it coming. Uh, but people even, you know, can sense a storm coming. They feel differently. People with arthritis complain. It's, there's a different electrical energy in the air. And then ahead of a big storm, you get dry thunder. There's a potential between the cloud cover and the ground. At JFK Airport, LaGuardia Airport, and Newark Airport, the three main airports that surround Manhattan, on 9-11, reported thunder and rain. So we have evidence of field effects. That's not speculation. And obviously on, on that morning, you couldn't get uh, clear skies in the Manhattan skyline, right? Yeah, there were clear skies there. Uh, you have the field effects outside of the cloud cover, ahead of the storm. So the the um, pinwheel is spinning in one place, but at a distance away from it, you know, from there on out, is where you have this different electrical system. It, a hurricane isn't just where the where the um, clouds are. The whole system is beyond that. It's a larger system. Yes. And also the system coming from the Midwest eastward. And curiously enough, they met right over Manhattan that morning. So if this is not speculation, why do you think that that hurricane was placed there? Well, you know, I'm not going to say what was in somebody's mind where they, they placed it there. Uh, it is, you know, there's some things that are mighty suspicious about it being there and not being told because we saw what happened with Hurricane Bill 
that uh, people who lived in Manhattan went and made sure they had a rental car just in case so they could evacuate. They knew that was a possibility. Yes. With Aaron, you know, Manhattan's right at sea level. If you have the storm stalling right outside of town, you're going to get horrendous storm surges. It's not the wind of the hurricane. It's the storm surges. And it's going to flood Manhattan. So you're going to want to evacuate or have that choice ahead of time, like, well, it's it's a voluntary evacuation. Now it's mandatory, you know, that type of thing. So are you saying that, let's use the term, they didn't finish the job? They, they, in other words, the hurricane was supposed to enter Manhattan so people could, could evacuate? No, 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 no. Uh, it, it didn't need to, to, to do whatever. But why weren't those people told? A normal situation with a hurricane doing exactly what Hurricane Aaron did, which is what Hurricane Bill did, they told the people in Manhattan, you might want to evacuate just in case, uh, you know, Hurricane Bill, you know, st- stalls out and, and you get some flooding. Oh, I see. So what you're saying is it had nothing to do with blowing the winds, but to actually make the people evacuate. No, no. I, I'm, I'm saying... That that leaves me a big question as to, you know, why didn't they warn the people that there was a hurricane coming? Because right. it, the normal thing is to say, look, they've evacuated Houston when Hurricane Rita was, you know, might go that way. Yes. And, you know, for days ahead of time, they know about it. And here this thing was in this beeline straight from New York, and they didn't tell the people, and New York is at sea level. Okay, that that's a, one question that, you know, leads suspicion there. But uh, the other thing is, okay, let's look at what hurricanes do. Um, and I started looking at a lot of hurricane pictures, and, you know, you hear about straw going through trees. You hear about uh, cars being levitated, you know, yes. and being on top of a tree or on top of a telephone pole. And they're in mint condition. They're just sitting on top of the telephone pole. And we've, we've been taught that, that the cars were blown there with this horrendous wind or got sucked up by the tornado. Mm-hmm. That's also a cyclonic action, just like a, a big rotation of a of a hurricane is the same kind of thing. It goes round, round, round up to this big pie plate on top. Tornadoes, the same thing. They're just faster acting. Uh, okay, now let's uh, think about that more. We, at, at after nine eleven, we noticed there were cars flipped upside down. They're parked, you know, one parallel park, one right in front of the other. One was toasted, and the one right in front of it was upside down. Parked where it should be, but it was just parked upside down. You know, the wheels, the tires going up and of down. And there was quite a few of those. Now, how does that happen? Because a lot of people may say, well, it's all the debris that's just falling around it. It just made the car levitate and just crash again. What debris? Or the explosions. What, what debris? Well, what I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate to those people, those people who may say, "Well, the cars just flipped over because there was, you know, a tremendous amount of wind coming from the from the, uh, the let's call it the dust, the dustification of all those particles." <clears throat> the um, the trees right next to them are, have their full foliage. So explain, please, how can that? But before you go there, I just want to end the hurricane Aaron Aaron part because I still, what is the purpose? Uh, this is, it's all, it's all kind of interrelated. Uh, in hurricanes and in tornadoes, we get levitation. We're, we're yes. taught that it's wind blowing around. What I am seeing, it was the same phenomenon that you see at the World Trade Center with flipped cars. And you get weird things on top of other things, you know, like they're levitated. And, and you even have people 
describing having been levitated. They were picked up by the by this wind and carried. Is one photographer described having been carried a whole block, almost like being sucked. He just lifted up and carried, like like yes. he said it was like being in a wave at, at the beach, just lift up and carried. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a few people who describe that, just being lifted up and carried. Another guy, a reporter, talked about being lifted up and then, you know, slammed against a wall. Uh, and another guy, uh, Tower 2 was going, and so he dove under a, an emergency vehicle, and then he thought he was buried. You know, and everything got quiet. He looked up, and the vehicle wasn't there. Huh. He didn't know what happened to it. So not to overanalyze the hurricane presence there, but I just want to know, in your opinion, why was Hurricane Aaron there that particular morning. Okay, we we look at the uh, anatomy of a hurricane, and it looks like a Tesla coil. Yes. It, you get the wrapping around the stem, and then the big toroid at the top. It produces right. field effects. A Tesla coil produces field effects. This is like a supersized Tesla coil. Uh huh. That's not speculation. Whether or not, you know, it was deliberately planned and all that, that's a different issue. But the fact that you have a hurricane is that you have a big Tesla coil. I see. So you needed that in order to get the directed energy weapons to, to do what they did. That's the, it's one of the, it's, with the Hutchison effect, he uses a Tesla coil or a Van de Graaff generator and then interferes right. it with a different kind of beam that you can direct. He doesn't direct it real well, but you can direct it. Um, and I think that that's what caused the cylindrical holes is the other component. I really have not seen one single person put two and two together between the hurricane and the directed energy weapons being used that day, folks. This is, this is incredible. What type of energy could melt cars but not burn the surroundings? Hutchison uh, does that in his samples. Uh, oh, oh, there was something, you know, first I was just looking through the evidence and categorizing it. I wasn't trying to fit it into any box. I wasn't trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Just, right. I had to say categories. And for the longest while, I didn't understand this peeling effect. You have a truck or a car door that looks like uh, the metal is split in half and the outside just peeled down. Like it's delaminated, but it's not a laminated uh, material. And that was puzzling. And then I saw the exact same thing in one of John Hutchison's samples, where he has an extruded aluminum bar, solid bar, that at different layers splits off and curls and peels off. Like it looks like it delaminated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a correlation to each one of the things. Oh, the, 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 one of the most fun things that few people realize round holes and window glass. You have double yeah, how is that possible? You have double-pane windows, and only the outer pane has a round hole in it. The inner pane is intact. A glass cutter can't even do that. You throw a baseball through a window, it leaves a spiderweb pattern. It yes. doesn't make a perfectly round hole or, you know, oval hole without causing, you know, spiderweb cracking. And I did see a few pictures of the Hutchison effect, for example, a can, an aluminum can, that has the hole right in the middle. So it seems to be the case with a lot of these cars, the concentration of the 
I don't want to say burning, but it looks almost like rusty or rusting in the middle. And the common denominator is that their their uh, their doorknobs are gone, all of them. Yeah, it's a particular material. Oh, and it's also the same material that does the door latches. You notice yes. the trunk lids are all popped up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty interesting just looking at these kind of patterns, and you don't... The, the key is to not try to force it into any particular answer. If you take a multiple-choice test and the right answer is not one of those choices, you're going to come up with the wrong answer. And as I said, listen to the data carefully enough, and it'll tell you. you just got to listen to it. I'm getting goosebumps by thinking about this, but I do remember looking at all those cars with the trunk open and burned in the middle. The trunk looks perfectly normal as if nothing happened and you're saying that it just burned the 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 the, the part that yes yes it, it just disintegrated the latch like something's disintegrated engine blocks it is it's particular material that that got affected more than other things well think about it. if you if you have the the towers are getting disintegrated yes that's 100% disintegration turned into dust how about the, at the tail end, at the very outskirts of this interference zone, what's a half-disintegrated thing going to look like? That is what I think we're seeing, is, is it, it affects one thing before it affects something else. And of course, for the people like me, if we were walking that day, evacuating and seeing all these cars that are looking burnt, if you will, how come none of them, the, the gas tanks didn't explode? There's is another thing that was very telling. There's pictures you see where it looks like it's midnight and a car's burning. Yes. Some of the firefighters said, oh, thank goodness this car just, for whatever reason, spontaneously combusted because only then could they see. see where they were. Right. Now, how do you get it pitch black so you can't even see your hand in front of you? That's 100% blockage of sunlight on a perfectly clear day. By dust. Very fine dust that had to have gone up. You know, one of the, the uh, folks that, one of my detractors likes to say, oh, no, it all went down, she's stupid to think it goes up. He knew what needed to be covered up. <laughs> uh, the fact that you have this total blackout and blockage of sunlight means that the dust went up. Now, explain how dust goes up. Uh, if it's real, real fine, mm-hmm. it, 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 just, it can waft away. It's almost like helium, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Like that's when I first started noticing the coarse dust lands, and then it starts, you know, getting fuzzy. I call it fuzz balls around people's feet, and then pretty mm-hmm. soon it starts fuming up off the street all by itself. And that afternoon, they're bringing in street cleaners, and that struck me kind of weird because if you're looking for survivors and want to have the, you know, thoroughfares open for emergency vehicles. Why is it suddenly the time to bring out street cleaners and fill the street with those to, to wash down the streets? Well, you, you can't have fuming streets. It, it looked too funny. Uh, but then what do you do with the, uh, the lawn, you know, the grass here and there? Yes. Uh, hmm, let's go look. Oh, my gosh, fresh potting soil dumped all over the lawn. Across the street from the towers, the WFC buildings, they had fresh potting soil. It looked like potting soil dumped all over the lawn. Wet dirt. Now, do you know if this technology would have to originate from an orbin, orbiting or airborne source or an external source, not inside of the buildings themselves? Uh, it, it's a field effect. Um, you have, you know, one type of field and another. It doesn't matter so much where they're located. It doesn't have to be in orbit. Um, 
you know, originally I said I, I thought, you know, it, it's speculation, but I thought it came from above because you have the cylindrical vertical cutouts in the buildings. <laughs> it looks like a post hole digger went straight down. And it would make sense that something came from above, but, you know, that doesn't prove it. And it it really doesn't matter because it, what matters is what happened, the, the, the result. Um, and the result, you know, it's it's undeniable that the buildings went away. And with precision, it was very directional. Building 4, the main body of it, went away completely. As though it was sliced off with an X-Acto knife. And the north wings left standing. It was just, you know, this. you could look in and see what was on somebody's desk. It was just sliced. The, the same with the Pentagon, actually, too. There's a, a book on a stool right by the slice. And the book isn't burned up from jet fuel or anything. Um... It's almost as a knife through butter. Yeah. But but everything is disintegrated on the other side. Right. Like the Pentagon, remember where that roof was down on the ground? Yes. Didn't it strike you as odd that there's several stories of desks and chairs and roof you know, and ceilings and piping and stuff in between? But why was the roof That's true. on the ground and nothing in between it? That's true, and uh, there's people who we use the hypothesis of, of bombs there, but if there had been bombs, then you wouldn't see those desks standing right there, would you? you? You wouldn't see that wooden stool right on the edge of that slice. Right. And where else do we see such slices? And the question is, everybody saw the hole. There was a hole, there was a hole there. However, you didn't see the, the holes, and you're a mechanical engineer, you know, that... Uh, Titanium is one of the most solid metals there are. If you're going to have a plane go through the Pentagon, what happened to the engines? Oh, my, my bigger problem with, with uh, the airplane and uh, the Pentagon is, you ever been to an, or, or seen on TV NASCAR races? Yes. And, and they, they, get a, they get a wreck. You, you get parts go cartwheeling? Right. Well, there's no cartwheeling of parts at the Pentagon. And supposedly it hit at about a 45-degree angle? Well... I'm not a commercial pilot, but I used to fly, and I know what happens when you try to land too quickly, and you you try to. It's almost like yes. Imagine at a 45 degree angle when you smash into a wall, you get parts flying. But you know, like a NASCAR race, somebody piles up into the wall, and that car starts spinning, and pieces go flying off, and cartwheels all over the place, and strews parts everywhere. This is the dynamics of how things crash at an angle. Now, let's talk about the hypothesis. Folks, listen to this. If your observation of the half-melted cars, the lack of sizable concrete uh, sections of... I use the term toasted as in, like, it's toast, it's history. It's a, just not melted or burned or... We don't know what happened to them. Yeah, Okay, toasted cars. Yeah. To, to, disintegrated toasted cars. Or the lack of sizable concrete sections of floors and walls and the total lack of office material except for paper. Definitely fit a microwave beam hypothesis? A uh, microwave beam is part of it. Could be part of it. Could be part of it. It isn't, wouldn't be, it isn't like a microwave gun. It, you know, Hutchison demonstrates uh, Tesla physics by interfering microwave with another field, like um, a static field from a, a Van de Graaff generator or something like that. It, so it isn't just, you know, a, a ray gun that you shoot somebody with. Right. It's it's more of 
an example I gave, like, in 2007 um, in this talk I called the New Hiroshima. It's not the New Pearl Harbor. It's the New Hiroshima. It's a new technology. Is um, uh, Think of photographic emulsion. It isn't light burning uh, an image into a piece of paper. The light triggers a chemical reaction in the photographic emulsion. And then you develop it, and you get you get your picture. And you control the, how much light goes where on that picture, I mean, on the, on the photographic emulsion, and that's what gives you the photograph. So think of uh, the field effect, or the, the, the general field, as being a photographic emulsion. And then another beam, the directional part of it, tells it where it's going to have the reaction. And this is so fascinating. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to take our break, and I have a question to ask you, but on the second segment, folks, I really want to get to the what happened then, how it happened, who did it, and if we found out who did it, then we can only address the why they did it. So, very important questions. Dr. Wood, how do people get in touch with your work? And I believe you have a a new book coming out soon. Yes, uh, my website is drjudywood.com. That's D-R-J-U-D-Y-W-O-D.com. And the bio page is my email address, if folks want to email me. Or also on the whistleblower page, there's a form where you can just enter anonymously. Um, There's a limit to how much text you can put in there. Uh, but there's plenty of information on, on the uh, uh, webpage for if people want to look at it further. And the evidence for itself. And we'll have uh, links on our website. When is your book coming out? Uh, well, it was supposed to be out already, but uh, it's, it's trying to figure out how to um, sort out uh, what goes in which volume and so forth. There's a tremendous amount of information. Well, it will be thousands of pages that you're, you're encapsulating in a smaller version, right? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, the first one's going to be like the essence of it, just getting people to see and teaching people to look instead of assume. You know, you're, you're trained on certain images, but then if you start looking at those images, they have the answer right there in front of your face. And can we tell what the title of the book is? Yeah. Uh, where did the towers go? You can't get any clearer than that, folks. And I'm going to ask you this question, and I'll get the answer on the other side. If you could go back to that day, and if you were there on site, given any methods available to you, how would you test for evidence for these weapons having been used? And I'll get your answer on the other side. We are here with a very brave woman, Dr. Judy Wood. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. Head on over to our website, veritasshow.com. Click on subscribe and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more.
This is Dr. Brian O'Leary, and you're listening to the Veritas Radio Show.